The divisional round of the NFL playoffs is set, and we've got a lot to talk about. Welcome to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, Aaron Hawksworth here with you from 9 to noon Eastern on the BetQL Network. Listen to the show on the Odyssey app. Watch the show on twitch.tv slash BetQL and YouTube, and follow us on X at BetQL Daily. Joining us on the program today, Vaughn Dalzell with NBC Sports has NFL, NBA, and college basketball plays for us. And then at 11 o'clock Eastern time, Isaac Trotter of 24-7 Sports tells us how to bet on the big games on the college hardwood this week. But first, the Buccaneers officially put the Eagles out of their misery, absolutely shellacking them 32-9. They not only cover the spread, they win outright. This game goes under the 43-and-a-half. Suffice to say, there are some tackling problems in Philadelphia, which we may get to. The Eagles finished the season (laughs) 1-and-6, with the lone victory being over the Giants and the worst version of Tommy DeVito. And... What, do you, what What more can you say? Baker Mayfield, three touchdowns. Kate Otten also had a really nice day. A tough way to go out for the Philadelphia Eagles, Joe. If you've been paying attention at all, this is not a surprise. Not even when they were 10-1. and one. It didn't look real at all. And then it all, and that's what happens with a larger sample size. And it was all on display over the second half of the season, even when they were starting to win the games. Um boy, it's crazy that we're going to have this. Everybody's going to be talking about it. Do they fire Sirianni? When it was brought up on the show a few weeks ago that that some were talking about in the Philadelphia area, kind of chuckled at it. As I've seen this play out more and more, and then what happened last night? Yeah, I would endorse that. I don't think it's the right thing to run it back because of a Super Bowl appearance last year. Of the three years, this would be two wild card exits in your Super Bowl window with your franchise quarterback. Like, there is a ton going on. The Patricia move was maybe fireable in itself. Just that decision. He's clearly lost the locker room. And I'm not even in the organization or anywhere close to it. But we can see from here that he's lost the locker room. What is going on with A.J. Brown? Like He's apparently cut all public ties to the organization. Once you lose your star players, then what? How that offense look like without A.J. Brown? Like Jalen Hurts, you know playing Todd Bowles, they're going to be blitzing all night. Were they prepared in any way for that last night? It was embarrassing. And just how this organization handles things with coaches, you know, you know Doug Peterson, you win a Super Bowl, all right, you get two years. You know, Chip Kelly was three years in total. I can see it. And I think it's justified as they end the season failing to cover their last seven games. Yeah, and even before the season started, Joe, I mean, you were talking about losing the coordinators, Steichen, Gannon. What is that going to look like? And I think Sirianni got exposed. They did start off hot, but then all of a sudden, maybe that's when he started losing the locker room. You know, this this collapse in the second half of the season uh, it just slowly started happening, and yeah. I did keep wondering, can they turn it around? And even Ed, like you were saying, Jalen Hurts, like I think the blame goes on the players and the coaching staff, but I don't think it's an overreaction to get rid of the coaching staff because something's broken there, and you can't run it back. It's clearly not working. I mean, even the tackling, it's almost like there, even if there was a game plan, the players weren't interested in uh, implementing that on the field because they had <laughs> just, there's such a difference. 
disconnect. So I do think everyone is to blame, but it starts with the coaching staff and it trickles down. Like maybe Jalen Hurts could, he had this regression, right? A fresh start somewhere else, maybe, but I'm starting to lose faith in him as a quarterback in the NFL altogether now. I, I think you should, Aaron. I think you should. Jalen Hurts is somebody who, yes, he can be a great runner. And when he's targeting A.J. Brown, that could be super, super effective. But in terms of being a complete quarterback, I don't know if we've ever really seen that with any kind of consistency that you need to see to be successful in the National Football League. We've seen some things that he can do really well. But I don't think this is a Buccaneers defense that is just so unbeatable. Like, they just come up with every single game plan known to man, and then you're basically just going to have to survive to get, like, 12, 15 points, and hopefully that's enough to win the football. That's not this. That's not this at all. Like, Joe, you were saying that all the blitzing that the Buccaneers were doing, this is very beatable stuff, and Jalen Hurts yeah. just didn't have an answer for it. Uh, we saw blitzing, you know, more than half of his dropbacks, 12 of 20, 92 yards, a touchdown, passer rating of 88. That's not that good. Hurts also faced six-plus pass rushers a lot this season, and he didn't have the answers for that either. And the biggest thing to me in all of this, in terms of how to evaluate everything going forward and why I feel like there probably should be some kind of a change with this coaching staff in general unmasked, is that all the strengths became weaknesses. I think it's safe to say one of the bigger strengths we thought of pertaining to the Eagles starting the season was this offensive line in large part because of the tush push, right? All these great offensive linemen getting their flowers, et cetera, et cetera. Well, guess what? In this game, the Eagles allowed 10 unblocked quarterback pressures. That's tied for the most in a game this season. 10 unblocked pressures. That cannot happen. The fact that they were succumbing to the blitz time and time again, that cannot happen either. And then on top of all of this, we find out this morning that Jason Kelsey is retiring, or at least he's telling his teammates that he's retiring for Adam Schefter. This has become a disaster, and it's not going to be a quick fix, and Nick Sirianni shouldn't be the voice to try and figure this out. They're losing all the leadership in that locker room. Like you just put, it was easy to figure out. Like just look at Kelsey after that game or in the second half of that game. Like, okay, this is his last game. Like it was evident. Uh, Brandon Graham, another big leader in that locker room. He's going to be gone probably. Like it is actually the perfect time. And if I'm an Eagles fan, as crazy as this sounds, and this just happens sometimes because you're forced into it. You're, you're on top of the world. We made the Super Bowl. Let's pay the quarterback. Like you're locked into this. Is Sirianni the guy that's going to unlock Hurts? No, he's not even the play caller. Like, what is he? So, leader of men? Clearly not. They're not playing for him. So, they're they're kind of stuck there right now, and Eagles fans are thinking, we kept the wrong coach. They had to keep the head coach, but they'd rather have Gannon or Steichen right now. I mean, I certainly would. Uh, So, it's – I actually, if I'm making odds on it, I would make the favorite that he is fired. I think most organizations would bring him back because of that Super Bowl appearance a year ago. But I have a feeling Howie Roseman doesn't need to see more. He doesn't need to waste another season while you have Hurts and Brown and some of the, you know, Jalen Carter just coming in, some of the talented players that they do have. Yeah, and I think it's pretty evident now that it was the coordinators and not Sirianni. And I remember even on the show 
prior to that flower speech, we were talking about a Sirianni any good, you know, <laughs> and then they got it together and went on that run to the Super Bowl. But still, I mean, I guess the signs were there, but I still thought I didn't know it was as bad as we're hearing now, you know, the disconnect and that he's lost the locker room. I still thought maybe there was a chance and uh, they just... <laughs> Like I said, deja vu every Friday. Maybe this is the get right <laughs> spot. Yep. No. Wrong, wrong. It's never happening. Hit the why, reset. Why, why were they feel favored by a field goal on the road? Like last mm-hmm. night, we'll give them their credit. We'll talk about them throughout the week when previewing the matchup. It was not about Tampa Bay. Everything was about the Eagles, right? And again, still, after as bad as they've been playing, they end the season losing six of seven. Why were they favored by a field goal on the road? There was no reason to back them. Like, I think that was our takeaway preview in the game. Like, well, one thing I know I'm not doing is laying three with this team. Like, nobody was doing that. Yeah, exactly. Like, if we were to do the blind resume test, Tampa Bay would have looked way better than Philadelphia, (laughs) given recency bias. And yet, here we are focusing on the on the eagles and all the problems that they had and maybe they can write the ship and all that stuff instead it's tampa bay advancing and they will be taking on detroit on the road and so we'll see what they're made of and again we'll talk about uh our first look at divisional games now that the setup is all there uh coming up in a little bit but let's get to the other wild card game happening yesterday the buffalo bills uh Really made, I guess, relative quick work of the Pittsburgh Steelers, 31-17. to This game goes way over the 37.5 in conditions that, yeah, may not have been pleasant, but they looked way better than they were going to be Sunday morning. And as it turns out, Josh Allen was able to make the most of it with 74 rushing yards. Uh, What a hot commodity he's turned out to be, to say the least. Uh, But, yes, the Buffalo Bills, they are advancing. And while I'd say that this wasn't, like, the best of performances, Uh, by everybody and especially with this defense having additional injuries at the same time they did what they needed to do to advance and cover joe Uh, yeah happy uh we we ended up talking about the over yesterday because of the change in the day felt like there was just not enough of an adjustment on that total up and the the over hits it was pretty clear in the first half that that was going to be the case um yeah i i felt the same like awesome performance from josh allen Four total touchdowns, no turnovers. Like, you see what that does. They end up covering the point spread. That was going back and forth whether or not that was going to happen. I walk away and say, I'm worried about the Bills. Like, that's my takeaway from yesterday. Not because the Steelers hung around or that you were supposed to smash TJ Watt, you know, without TJ Watt and all that stuff. It's about what the Bills are going to have moving forward. And that's my big takeaway. Like, great. That was awesome, Josh Allen. No interceptions. Nobody's going to laugh at you for the first time because, you know, Twitter goes nuts when every time he throws an interception. And I think the Bills did the smart thing by resting Rasul Douglas because they felt confident enough that we're going to have this win. What's next is more important. And I know you're ready to go, but we need you 100%. Like, Douglas was in the locker room saying, like, I was good to go, man. Like, he wanted to play. What? I'm okay with that. The, the injuries on defense just keep happening and they can't stop it. Like mid game, you're wondering, Oh my God, do they have a punter? I'm just like, is this just, is this how the Bills season ends? Because every week it's like cluster injury, cluster injury, 
lackluster injury. And it happened again. We've got multiple linebackers going down. We've got more cornerbacks going down. And I know it's not the same team, but here's Patrick Mahomes and you're laying two and a half. We'll get into that preview, but that's my takeaway from this game, guys, that yes, it was a comfortable win for Buffalo. Awesome but I don't feel good about my futures moving forward because this is a mash unit. I agree. I, I, you know, it wasn't a dominant performance, I guess, because the Steelers did hang around a bit, but what I like about the bills compared to what I saw from the Eagles is like, at least the bills have that grit. Like they don't have that give up in them. You know, (laughs) yeah, Josh Allen can turn the ball over and they've got injuries and things can happen, but this is a team that continues to fight and they'll be hosting the chiefs. So I like that too. But, yeah, I am concerned. And now that you run into the Chiefs, like, I can never count that out. I'm already excited to preview that one. Um, but overall, I'm not overly confident with the Bills. Even though they were that hot team, I think they're still flawed, and that does worry me a little bit moving forward. I'm with you, Joe. I do wonder, and, and again, we'll talk about uh, the divisional rounds a little later and give an overall playoff picture in our next segment, but I do wonder mm-hmm. if this is going to be one of those years where we're overall not too impressed by whomever the Super Bowl champion is, and at the end of the day, we just mm-hmm. say, you know what, they were the grittiest team, or they survived mm-hmm. the most challenges, or something to that effect yeah. where it's politeness but it's not something where we're calling them one of the greatest teams of all time. That may very well happen with these Buffalo Bills. They may find a way to knock off the Chiefs next week, and we go, well, they still have some defensive issues. Yeah, this was a down year for Pat Mahomes in this offense. And we continue to make excuses, but still the Bills find a way to win. Like, even in this game yesterday against the Steelers, Pittsburgh had to play a lot of single high coverages in large part because they have to respect James Cook and Josh Allen as a rusher. The one time they go to a light box, that's when Josh Allen burns them for that humongous run and that touchdown. So there is a path for this Bills to still be oh so effective offensively. The defense is Mm -hmm. always going to be a question mark. But look, if Josh Allen is playing at this ridiculous, ludicrous level that he can, then he may very well be unstoppable. And we just have to accept that maybe it's just not perfect. Yeah, when you look at the the eight teams that are left, they've all dealt with a lot of injuries. That's what happens over the course of an NFL season. But of these eight, almost all Mm -hmm. of them quarterback health throughout the majority of the season. Mm. Exactly. This is MyQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, we update the NFL playoff picture coming up on the BetQL Network. We'll be right back with BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. by BetMGM from BetQL. Don't call it a comeback by Baker Mayfield, even though he's on his fourth team uh, in his NFL career. But what an impressive win and performance by him as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers move on to the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Ed Egros, Joe Ostrowski, Aaron Hawksworth here with you. The Buccaneers opened as seven-point dogs to Detroit, but on BetMGM it has moved to Lions minus six. The total has gone up to 46.5 to 48.5. Clearly, there is additional respect for these Buccaneers, Joe. 
Uh, well, yeah, I guess. I guess there should be. Uh, like, should there be? I don't know. It was should that was the spot. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. I mean, isn't okay. So if we power rank the teams uh, going into the playoffs, the Eagles were in the like what Joe G was saying. Where would would you agree with what he was saying about the Eagles being? I think he said bottom three. Bottom three? Yeah, probably. Uh, you know, yeah. and, I mean, even though the Buccaneers were dogs there, at the same time, like that offense was also broken over the last couple of weeks. And all of right. a sudden they started to figure it out. And I think I think probably that's the part that exceeded my expectations. Like I was wondering if we were just going to see an awful game. And it only was because it was lopsided. It wasn't because we had two bad offenses going up against each other. Yeah, and, and always with the Eagles, the other part is, okay, how much is the Bucks, and how much is just – everything that's a complete disaster because right. they don't do anything well on the defensive side. It's just, mm-hmm. uh, it's just a mess. I mean, even show favorite Kate Otten, eight for 89. Mm-hmm. He's awesome. It's awesome. We talked about that being a possibility. I think his uh, prop was like in the mid twenties and he ended up going for mm-hmm. 89. They couldn't stop the run. They couldn't stop Baker. God, they were awful. So I get the respect, but then I'll, mm, okay. Now we're going to step up in class a little bit. This is going to be a, uh, a much different scene. And, and I'm not someone who's, you know, backing Detroit all the time, but we saw this in week six and that was a three point spread at Tampa Bay. So you change venues. So it was Detroit minus three there. And now I saw six and a half last night. Is that too much? Ooh. Yeah, I would definitely be on the Bucks at six and a half. I even think it's a little rich at six. I mean, yeah, I know there's a lot of Lions love and the Dan Campbell stuff, and I like the Lions probably the most out of anyone on this show. But at six or six, six and a half, yeah. or if it got to seven, I would one hundred percent be on the Bucks. I would definitely consider it because I think that's just too much Lions love. And they only beat the Rams by one, you know? I mean, it's not like they're this dominant team. I think they're a popular, fun team, and maybe we're putting a little too much stock into the Lions with this number. Here's my question for you guys. We saw the Buccaneers apply a ton of pressure against Jalen Hurts, and I made the argument that this offensive line, it will be retooled whether Philadelphia likes it or not because of the Jason Kelsey news. Uh, But definitely it went from a strength to a weakness almost overnight. So my question is this. This Buccaneers, they blitzed a lot, applied a lot of pressure, and we've seen Jared Goff in the past not play well when under siege. And Mm -hmm. even though he's had some great spurts this year, I wonder if this is sustainable because normally when a quarterback is playing under pressure, those aren't sticky statistics from one game to the next, one season to the next. If Jared Goff has figured something out, great. But if he hasn't though, if he can succumb to pressure or he does rather, I wonder if this does give Tampa Bay a massive advantage here and the defense that we saw yesterday is the defense that we're going to see going forward regardless of the matchup. So I think a lot of people are going to overreact to golf's at home, he's indoors, Mm -hmm. look what he did against them in week six. 353 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. And that might be part of the reason we got the six, six and a half. I would argue that Tampa Bay's defense is healthier now, which is why they're playing better. And when they played forever ago, that was the start of a four-game losing streak for the Bucs. They were playing awful ball, and they've now won six of seven games. 
So I, I, I look more at how teams are trending right now than how they played two to three months ago. You know, like with the Baltimore game, people are going to constantly reference what happened in week one. Does it matter? Does it matter at all? Like that was so long ago. It was C.J. Stroud's first career start. And, yeah, they didn't win. They didn't cover. But I don't know that it matters when it comes to this weekend. Um, and that's where I'm at with this game. I think you guys are right. Like, well, I'm not laying the six, six and a half with Tampa, with Detroit. I'll tell you that. It, uh, it's bucks or nothing. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing about this Lions defense. They did step up, and I think they're a big reason why they beat the Rams. But they have been suspect, and that's what makes me nervous about them covering this big number at six. It's like, which version of the Lions defense is going to show up? Oh, that's and that's a good question. <laughs> I, I mean, that's yeah. that's just it, though. Like, it, this Lions defense has left something to be desired. And like I've said before, in terms of trying to track down a Super Bowl champion, you need one of your groups to be elite. Number one in the NFL, because we're talking about championships here. The other side of the football needs to be at least average. And this has been the biggest question that I've had about Detroit pretty much all season long. Yeah, Jared Goff can play well. Yeah, the rushing attack's great. Ben Johnson's wonderful. All that good stuff. How's the defense, though? Can it be average? That's all we're asking for. Can it be at least average? And I'm not sure it is yet. And especially going up against Baker Mayfield and company, like, look, whatever you think about Baker Mayfield, whatever. Mike Evans is there. Chris Godwin is there. And Cade Otten is there. Fear them all, Joe. Should. You should. Yeah, no, at times this Lions defense is just pathetic. Pathetic. Mm -hmm. So uh, this total of 48 and a half, second highest total of the weekend. That's a little surprising. In a, in a Tampa Bay game, that it's the second highest total of the weekend. But I kind of understand it. Controlled environment. Detroit's defense has issues. God, man, I I would just have a tough time. Is this going to be a teaser play by people? Oh, I just need the Lions to win. I'm not doing Six. it. I'm just saying, will some people bet it? <laughs> Math, yes. I, I'm out well, of teasers. I'm you not going to change my mind. You can't. <laughs> Oh, I'm not betting it, but yeah, I, I said that yesterday. Yeah. But uh, I'm saying what some people are going to do. Um, right. You can't tease San Francisco, Baltimore. Some people are wrong. But you're going to, yeah, right. You're going to tease yeah. Kansas City, and then you need another one. I guess they would go to Detroit. Mm-hmm. Maybe so. An AFC teaser I'd be more comfortable with in general because you're not touching eight you're not touching zero by any stretch and of course look it's a playoff game so you can't end in a tie so i suppose there's some value there i guess uh but like how many nfl playoff games have gone into double overtime in our lives like it's it's a rarity so i i would not do this if it gets back to six and a half or seven then you have an argument but at six like the math just isn't in your favor as far as that's concerned so i'd prefer like an afc teaser are we saying that we're living in a world where the Tampa Bay Buccaneers can be playing in the NFC Championship game? Is that what we're saying? Yes. There's a path for that. That is correct. There is a path for that. What a year. The Baker Mayfield resurgence. And it's crazy. I am am curious to see if Ed's theory uh, proves to be true. I mean, I think it is with the Ravens and Niners, but talking about one side, either offense or defense being dominant or ranking at the top of the league, because we've got several teams left, the Bucs, Texans, 
uh, Lions, even Chiefs, who are not that great on either side. They're not one, two, three, four, or five. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe the Chiefs a little bit better, but there's only a few teams left that are super dominant offensively or defensively. And that's why I think in the NFC, why the 49ers are now not, they were nine and a half point favorites. Now they're 10 point favorites against Green yeah. Bay. And even if you buy into the idea that Jordan Love is on this massive uptick and he can play at an elite level, like he could be one of the top five quarterbacks in the NFL. Even if you believe this, the 49ers mm-hmm. should still be favored uh, by a sizable number just because they do just about everything well. I know we talked about this a, a good bit yesterday, uh, but I'd like to kind of reopen this question when we're talking about both the 49ers uh, and the other game here, where it is possible that the Packers, 10-point dogs, they have the better quarterback in Jordan Love, and Tampa Bay, as six-point dogs, they might have the better quarterback in Baker Mayfield. Do you buy into this, Joe? That they could meet or just the better quarterback part? That the better quarterback is getting points in both matchups. Um, I think it's pretty neutral with Tampa Bay and Detroit. Okay. And that, yes, the way he's playing, since we're going to put more into the second half, yes, Jordan Love is the better quarterback. If he were in that situation, they would be much better. I think it's pretty close between Tampa Bay and Detroit, and I would actually give the nod uh, to Goff. Okay, fair enough. What do you think, Aaron? I think Goff as well. Okay. Yeah. Um, I would also – I think Goff in this situation. Um, Yeah, I would just go Goff here. Okay. (laughs) No, no, no. It's, I mean, more experience, you know, working with Ben Johnson, all that stuff. They, you know, it makes sense to me. I would say, though, I think I trust the wide receivers for Tampa Bay just a little bit more. And maybe that's just oh, because yes. I'm a humongous fan of Mike Evans. I think that yes. means something here. I don't know if it's enough for me to, you know, back the dogs in this one. But at least it gives me some pause where I go, okay, there is a path for this offense to score just a bunch of points, and at least it makes sense why the total has gone up by two points, and I wouldn't be surprised if it continues to skyrocket, given conditions indoors, all of that stuff. Maybe they do keep up in a shootout. I think there very much is a path for that, and that's probably where I am, uh, you know, sort of answering the uh, quarterback question, Joe. Yeah, so it's interesting. I'd, I'd agree with you that the receivers are better on Tampa Bay. The run game's better on Detroit. Uh, the big mm-hmm. uglies better on the Lions. Um, it's you know, quarterback, it's rather tight end since Laporte is out there last week. Is going to be out there next week. Like they have the advantage there. The Lions do even over Otten. So it's even it's, over Otten. Yes, th- there's a lot of uh, a push and pull as where where the advantages lie. And then we're sitting here at six. Like, should it really be six? And we have questions about that Lions defense. Like, no, I don't think right. it should be six at all. But, uh, yeah, I'm curious where this goes. Just seeing mm-hmm. six and a half, I don't think it touches seven. I I would be surprised if there are six and a halfs out there throughout the week. Right. You know, on the, the Green Bay-San Francisco one, though, it's like I want to take Green Bay. I really do. Mm-hmm. I just can't get past one thing. And it's maybe it's over, oversimplifying it. Just – Shanahan against Joe Barry. It's just, it could <laughs> get so ugly. And that also 
feeds into our point yesterday about playing the over in the spot. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I was so worried about the Joe Barry thing and then I was wrong. Uh, but maybe that just means they're due. Because I don't know. That was, how long is that going to last? Up. It was kind of right. like, a, yeah, exactly. We got out of that one. That was a miracle. But just wait until they regress because it's coming. You know, it's just this fear is looming with that Packers defense. But I disagree with you guys on the Lions receivers and Sam Laporta. Um, so that is one area where I just think the Lions Wait, offense is better. You think the Lions receivers are better than the Bucks? Yeah. Amon Raw? Mike Evans. He's, I know. I still it's think golf to Amon Raw. I and and then you've got Baker to Mike Evans. They're they're both really good. That's a tough call. Yeah. Uh, I, I think Godwin's better than Khalif Raymond. I, I'd probably say that much. Uh, so, you know, there's depth that's, and overall talent. That's the difference. That's, that's, yeah. Yeah. That's the difference. There you go. The, the depth go. to me is the big thing. And and you can't you can't say enough about Kate Otten. You know, let's let's get uh, our, our six shot in here that's as far guy. as that's concerned. Yeah, yeah, all that <laughs> stuff. Uh okay. Texans Ravens. Uh this spread has also moved from Texans plus eight and a half to nine and a half with a total of forty five and a half. When we look at these three massive spreads, then the last one, uh, KC, there are only two and a half point dogs to Buffalo. We mentioned that in the last segment, but we do mm-hmm. have three massive dogs in this one. Is there any one dog likelier to pull off the outright upset than the others, or are we going to see something chalky? Yeah, I mean... The Tampa Bay one's obvious because it's a shorter number. There's a big difference when you're going through the seven and you're touching 10 or nearly touching 10. There's just that massive gap. If I were to take the question and spin it to Houston or Green Bay, man, that's tough. That is, these are there two hotter quarterbacks than Love and Stroud right now in the NFL? God, no. (laughs) It's hard to figure out. So which one's more likely? They're both mm-hmm. not likely, but either one of them could do it just because of the high level of play right now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, we go off the board. Coming up on the BetQL Network. We'll be right back with BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. From BetQL, it's time for Aaron Hawksworth to take us off the board. Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, Aaron Hawksworth with you. Got a little coaching news to get to, but this one, a former NFL coach, Jay Gruden, was on X last night and said, if I ever put a QB (laughs) through what Philly is putting Jalen through, I apologize, pick up a blitz, to which RG3 caught wind of and said, Say what? 
Now, you probably remember that Jay Gruden was the head coach of then, I guess, the Redskins, Washington. Um, and he decided to announce right before the season started that Kirk Cousins would be the starting quarterback, not RG3. But I think this is, I think Jay Gruden gets a little bit too much of the blame for that whole situation because RG3 got injured and was playing when Shanahan was there uh, before Jay took over. And then they drafted, you know, Kirk Cousins and there was this quarterback controversy. And I don't know. I mean, was Jay wrong? Um, Jay did clap back saying, uh, Robert, were you prepared? So there was, of course, this story that Robert was never prepared. He never read the playbook and all of this. And I love that Jay didn't back down. I mean, he must've known that was coming. Jay is great with the trash talk. That is one thing I did enjoy about him when I covered him. Um, but I guess you could also make the argument as a head coach, if RG3 wasn't prepared, that's Jay's job. So I think they were just going back and forth. I think it's all in good fun. Um, but I, I'm pretty sure Jay knew that the possibility of RG3 seeing that was coming. And uh, he stood he stood by his comments. Yeah. Anytime RG3 seems to say anything, I take it as a joke. Like he's, it's a bit. I don't think it's serious in any sense. Maybe maybe he's got to be careful with that because sometimes people don't take what you say ser- as seriously. But I don't know that he's concerned about that right now. I, I think it was all in good fun as well. But, like, when you talk about a quarterback playing through injuries or put in tough spots even before Jay Gruden, like, you, that's the guy you think of. Yeah. Like, it was – what when he was on the field, there were times where – like you think about it now, like how did that happen? Even in the moment, people are like, "Why is he out there?" Um, that would that never happen. Today. Never happen. Yeah. There are too many people that are involved in a decision that would uh, stop that. And it wasn't that long ago, right? Like no, it, it was only a handful of years ago that we are looking at a quarterback who should not have been out there in the first place. And yet he is. And you're wondering like, okay, what is his health going to be? Can you have a functioning offense this way? Much less, you know, how RG three is going to perform. You know, it is funny whenever we're looking at this exchange uh, between coach and player, former coach, former player. And we were kind of uh, banding this about like during the break, like, was this serious? Was this all in good fun? And it leads me to this kind of interesting notion that sometimes like conversations between two people, friends, former colleagues, people who work closely together, sometimes it's hard for the outside world to really interpret the meaning of an exchange. Like only those two really know if it's serious or they're just having fun or maybe it's something in between, like a tinged playfulness or banter where like yeah like you know we're having fun right now but you know we're talking about some scars here and and it just goes to show that like on social media or any kind of public conversation you're dealing with two people who are really close sometimes interpretation for the outside world like you got to remind yourself like it's not necessarily meant for the public but it is going out there for everyone to interpret whichever way they see fit well was jay wrong kirk cousins is career has gone on quite a bit longer than RG3's and RG3 was given another chance. The other thing that's interesting, that was 10 years ago. 
and how many quarterbacks has Washington had since? It seems like 30, you know, and they still haven't found a quarterback. Just goes to show how hard some of these organizations have finding a quarterback and then you look at someone like the Packers and they just keep hitting on them and it seems like it's not fair you know to some of these other ones that just can never find a quarterback all right so uh, what should the total be on how many coaches head coaches are fired I mean so should we where set are we a at number here so where are we at Seven? Are we at- like since like since the season started so we're adding Frank Reich and all of them so is it right. seven okay. with like potentially seven. three more? It could be Dallas, could be Philly. And what's the other mm-hmm. one? I, I mean, there's Tomlin. talk that New Orleans might th- make some changes. I don't know, but. Really? After all this? I mean, like it, they've been sitting around for weeks. I mean, what's this beat reporter, uh, quote unquote, like talking about as far as like, there may be some changes today in New Orleans, like. I mean, it would be what a would very be- late move to make, but still, it's happened before. Teams sit back yeah. and like, okay, we're not let let's talk to all of our players. Let's in, have our mm-hmm. end of the season conversations with everyone and think this thing through logically. And is it time? Well, if big changes, would it be above the head coach? GM changes, hmm. maybe. Certainly within the realm of possibilities out there. Uh, just because you have to do make you do have to make some sort of significant. I mean, the weird thing like with the Saints is like you do have some veteran players who are kind of aging out, so to speak. The Derek Carr thing, it, you know, is a massive cap hit, and so there is this question of okay, you've been kicking the can down the road for such a long time. Like, what are your options? What can you conceivably do? And you do have a head coach who is a defensive mastermind. Uh, but you also have put yourself in sort of cap hell where at some point you do have to pay your tab. And is that going to happen as soon as next year? I don't know, but it does mean you have to get a little creative with your decisions. And so that's why I'd probably say the Saints are still kind of up in the air as far as what their future is going to look like. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So then we've got Cowboys, potentially Saints, Eagles, Steelers, all – uh, in the mix where there could still be changes coming. I guess Steelers. That was weird yesterday. That was really weird. I, is that just what Tom? I don't know. We'd have to talk to some Steelers people. We got one coming up next hour. But so my takeaway, first off, is that video reel of Tomlin. Right. So what happened is the, I, th- I think the PR person said, are there any more questions? Any more? And then Mm -hmm. a a female reporter said, coach, you have one year left on your deal. And he just Mm -hmm. acted like he didn't hear it. And he just, she just briskly walked off, walked out. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Before, before she even got to the question. So I don't know if that's something, is that something Tomlin always does? Like I don't talk about my contracts on the record or I don't talk about it publicly. That's between me and ownership. Is that something he always does? Or is there, you know, is he stressed out about it? Is there something hanging in the balance? Does he feel uncomfortable that mm-hmm. he's never had a losing season and he doesn't have the job security right now? I think it could be the latter, but I also think it's not really his fault. I mean, they have they should have found a replacement for Big Ben years ago. <laughs> I mean, they 
they kept running it back with him and then they just haven't found a quarterback. I don't think it's all on Tomlin, but I also think he's been there forever and maybe a change wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Wow. Pittsburgh. I mean, we were talking about like quarterbacks in, in Green Bay lasting forever. Head coaches in Pittsburgh last forever. It, they just do things differently. Like you become a head coach there. Right. Like it's a great landing spot because you're not going anywhere. And the infrastructure is usually pretty sound to where at least you can compete. Maybe you don't have the best team on the field every single time, but at least you've got an organization that can compete, that can draft well, make good trades, all that good stuff. Yeah. So it, it is interesting. Like, can, I don't know if you really outstay your welcome with the Steelers yet at the same time, like, is he going to be the answer? Like when I watched that news conference and that kind of walk off or ghosting or whatever, I saw a man who was emotional and didn't want to show it off. He didn't mm -hmm. want to let everybody know, Hey, look, you know, my days are done here. Like, because I know that, you know, he's put his heart and soul in this organization for a really long time. And this is not a great way to end it. Yet at the same time, like, you know, it ends for all of us at some point. And especially if you have such a long standing tenure in one place, at some point, a change will get made, whether you like it or not. Yeah, you're going to be in that division with Lamar, Burrow, and what Cleveland has built for a long time. Like, mm -hmm. you just, it feels like they're very far away from Pittsburgh being in favor in that division. They compete. It's always a tough game in those divisional matchups. Um, but, yeah, you, you never really had that pressure because you don't have back-to-back -back losing seasons. Like, that's part of the reason that he's been there so long. But, yeah, I don't I don't know. Are they going to change their style, their ways? I, I, I think he's back. I, I would be very surprised. He, I, yeah, I think the problem is he hasn't been given a lot of opportunity. I mean, he's been making – a lot out of the rosters that he's given and i just don't think it's his fault but you know sometimes maybe he wants out <laughs> i don't know i guess he should retire a stealer it would be a good he, look just to stay stay there but i, I think i'd the, want to change a scenery too the quarterback since ben has been a problem that's obvious the quarterback is a problem for half the league but yeah. he has a lot of elite defenders like his tenure like, T.J. Watt is one of the best players in the NFL. Now it's Fitzpatrick, and he's got Hayward. Like, he's got some studs on that defense, and that's, that's good for them. That, that's how they play. Um, offensive line has typically been a problem. A uh, lot of offensive issues. When those Bills injuries happened, they were moving the ball on them yesterday. Even Mason right. Rudolph down to – is he the fourth quarterback of the year? I think he's the fourth. Yeah. <laughs> I've lost count by this point. I know I have enough fingers, but I, I definitely have lost count as far as where Mason Rudolph stacks up. The thing, too, is, like, when they drafted Najee Harris in the first round, like, this was huh. sort of hearkening back to old-school Steelers football, and to an extent, I guess I get it, but at some point, you do have to update your ways. But I don't know how much of that is, like, Tomlin's fault and how much of that is the organization's fault. At some point, they need to update. Maybe they want a clean house so that they can update. But at the same time, I'd like to think that uh, Tomlin is a smart enough head coach to be able to adapt to the times. We'll see how this all plays out. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, we want to add to our Super Bowl MVP portfolios after what we saw during Wild Card Weekend. That's coming up on the BetQL Network.